I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. Switching play across to this near side and Bunny. Closed down by Reeves. Taking on Reeves, going past him as well. Reeves trying to get back at him. He's up against Solly now. Ball into the box. Oh, it's scampering in and it's the opening goal. As Gillam slotted it past the outstretched hands of Ben Amos. And Charlton 1-0 down. That's a really poor goal to concede. McNulty launches it forward, looking for Andrews. It's flicked on by him, and uh, Doan's there. He's got ahead of De Silva. He's got a shooting opportunity, and he's against the post and out oh, for a, across up. the goal. Very similar to Forster Kasky's effort, and it goes wide from the left-hand side after hitting the post on the right. Forster Kasky finds Kashi down the line to De Silva, ball in the box. Who come offside? And Forster Kasky, yes, Alex, get it. Manages to get it past Lewis. A down the level, quickly take a free kick, comes to the left-hand side, to Silva's ball in the box, hit Naby Sarr, fell nicely for Forskaski, who managed just to touch past Lillis. And it's 1-0 here at the, uh, at the Valley. And that's so important, it's uh, a quickly taken free kick, and this time it caught Rochdale on the hop, to Silva, the lovely ball into the box, avoided Andrews. It's sort of, uh, you, you're expecting Naby Sarr maybe to control it and take a, take a punt on it, instead it's sort of come off of Naby Sarr, but it's well read by Forster Kasky, or maybe it just hit him, I'm not sure, but the second touch was sublime and passed the keeper. McGuinness forced backwards by McNulty, finds Marshall on the edge of the box, coming inside onto his left foot, leaves it for Kasky, who shoots! Oh, off, off the, the post! Goes to Ricky Holmes, just managed to be cleared away by Rochdale. Bunny over it, now he's going to leave it for Camps, who just swings it in towards the far post. Daniels flicks it on, and it's a chance for Henderson, who's in the six-yard box, unmarked, flicks goal bound, and Ben Amos just tips it over the bar. Picks up Charlton, ball inside to McGuinness. McGuinness looking to turn his man, which he has done so, opens up a bit of space, look for the ball across to Marshall, it's a good ball. Marshall, one-on-one against Bunny. Mark Marshall cuts his side onto his left foot. He's got a shooting opportunity here. Mark Marshall oh. spilled by the keeper. Right comes to Force Cascade. Yeah! <laughs> Mark Marshall in the corner of the penalty area. Cuts his side onto his left foot. Drives a shot at goal. Goalkeeper couldn't hold onto it. Force Cascade is nibbling away at it. And once again manages just to divert the ball past Lillis. And Charlton have the lead. Marshall. Advancing beyond the centre circle to the right-hand side. Still Marshall goes towards the penalty area. Still on his left, Marshall. Oh, he takes a shot, goes back to Malcolm Marshall. Mark Marshall finds McGuinness. Oh, oh a little chipped effort. It goes just over the left-hand corner of the crossbar. Oh, he's so unlocked. 
And Grant's just made it into the area. McGinnis going to the touchline. Now gets the ball across. Oh, Grant! Oh, oh. good so well. Straight at the keeper, really. Who parried it back up in the air and caught it at the second attempt. Okay, he space to stride into. Halfway inside the Charlton half now. Switch ball going back across. Looking for Daniels. Gets the headers there. Daniels. It'll drop to Inman. Oh, good save from Ben Amos. He miss-hitted him and it into, into the ground and it was going into the top corner and it needed the Amos tip-over to give this corner. There's the final whistle. Charlton have come from a goal down to secure the three points. So, good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live. The big match preview here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me in the studio as we look back at Tuesday's win over Rochdale and ahead to Saturday's game with Scunthorpe is a special guest, Mark Newbury. How are you doing, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. I was going to say I'm living the dream, but apparently that's been trademarked. Oh, yeah, Nathan, Nathan's <laughs> taken that one, unfortunately. No one, no one wants to share in his living nightmare. Um, <laughs> uh, on tonight's show, we will... Uh, uh, trying to get Nathan out of my head now. We are. We will. <laughs> we will uh, look back at that win uh, over Rochdale on Tuesday. Hearing from Carl Robertson after the game, we're going to discuss uh, a few things that have come up during the week. Leon Bester, what's the latest on him? Uh, the takeover. What's the, what's the latest we've he- we're hearing on that? Uh, the fact that Carl Robertson's coming up to a year in charge now, of course. And uh, we'll also look ahead to Saturday's uh, third versus fourth game uh, with Scunthorpe up at Glanford Park. I mean, that's going to be a huge game uh, and something we'll look forward to uh, on uh, later on in tonight. Show, but Mark, uh, you were here on Tuesday, as was I, and uh, another three points to add to the collection. Not, not, not the prettiest of performances, I guess. No, I, I can't remember a game where we've played so badly for our entire half and managed to come and get the points in the second half. I mean, it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance, really. First half, first half an hour. Yes, they were marking us quite tightly, and we couldn't do anything much about it. But you know, we've got some skillful players out there, and we just seem to be going back on ourselves all the time and it just became frustrating but in terms in terms of the fact that we did turn it around i guess and it's, it's something i asked carl on on tuesday and it's something that everyone's saying on the forum is that that is the absolute typical game that we would not have won last season and it says a lot i guess about the character that we are able to react to such a poor first half yeah but we've said that a lot this season that last season we would have lost it so a lot of those games um, I think what it is is that with about 15-20 minutes to go in that half the players looked at each other and thought we don't want to go into that dressing room at half time <laughs> and be ducking cups <laughs> so we you know we've got to pull it out and you know luckily a good free kick you know well finished and to go in level you know gave us a platform for the second half you know and we couldn't play any worse in the second half so I'm sure we could have if we tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, as we've said, though, the, the, I mean, the start to that, that opening 15, 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour, Rochdale didn't give us any time on the ball. There was a hell of a lot of kicking off the ball, perhaps, and, and, and your niggly play, but Charlton just couldn't get settled in. It really showed in our performance. It's true. I mean, I think if a referee had possibly brought out a card earlier than he did, then I think it would have been a totally different game. He let them get away with lots of little kicks and unfortunately for Reeves it, he was mainly the target and you know and okay he's been off injured and getting fit so you worry you know is he going to be fit for Saturday and you can so understand why, why they took him yeah. off at half time and I, I wasn't surprised at half time when they brought on a Hearn Grant for Reeves because I thought he wasn't being kicked that much mm. Yeah, there was plenty of that. Now, obviously, uh, we conceded the opening goal on 13 minutes when, when Matthew Gillum 
uh, swept home from inside the area. Now I'm sure that there's there's two or three things you can pick out there. I mean, it's, it's way too easy. The the progression down down their left hand side, the cross into the middle. Gillen was pretty much unmarked, and he, and he slipped it just beyond Amos. I mean, you know, not not the sort of defending you 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 hope to see. No, it was. I mean, it was a good finish, but when you watch it back. Um, their winger manages to go, you know, thirty yards without anyone even putting a foot in. I mean, if I think Reeves was actually tracking him, trying to track him back, if he just tapped him his ankle and given a free kick away, he'd a bit would have been a better bet because he what he wasn't catching him. I mean, it was a good finish, you yeah. know, and it's not like you can say really could the defender have been tighter the way the ball came across. Not really. Mm. Do you, do you think perhaps, you know, mentality-wise, as fans, when you're coming into a game against a Rochdale team, which you quite rightly pointed out on Sunday, hadn't won away all season, do, do you think, do you, as fans, we sort of we, we we come with a certain level of expectancy? Do you think the players can get sucked into that? Do you think, oh, this is going to be easier? I, well, I, I don't know whether I think as fans, you always think so. Oh, we should do this, and that's when it bites you. <laughs> um, whether the players have that same mentality, you hope not. You hope that the you know the coaching staff, the managers, saying you know what they haven't won, they're going to want to win somehow. Don't let us be the team they beat. Mm. And for the first half an hour, you know they, they hit the post. We could have been two down. Yeah, I was going to say. And you know if we'd gone in at half time two nil down, I I don't think we could have changed it around because there's not a lot on the bench which could change it around. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, you, you talk about that second chance. I mean, it was more, it was again a bit of unusual sort of lack of communication between Amos and, and De Silva because the keeper started coming out. Uh, De Silva still had the work to do, got out muscled, uh, and then and then the player hit the ball. It was done. He hit, hit the uh, he hit the ball against uh, the the base of the post and almost rolled across the goal line and, and back out again. Well, I mean, it, it was a real let off. It rolled across right in front of me because I'm sitting right behind the home goal. And if if you could hear anything, it's us blowing just to make sure we didn't cross the line. Um, but one of the things I've had with Amos, and it's going to be controversial because I know Jake scored two. For me, Amos was man of a match. He's the one who got us for points because the two saves he made, um, I think, were fantastic. And that could have quite easily been a one point or we could have lost 3-2 mm. because he's, he's made out really good saves. I always feel that he doesn't command his area as strongly. I know he's... You know, we always say he's a young keeper. You know, as a goalkeeper, you've got to command and know when you can come out. And for some, I couldn't understand why he'd gone running out so far. It's in, it's interesting, isn't it? I think because he did have a couple of perhaps shaky moments at the start of the season, where where he, especially on, the, I think it was the opening day against Bristol Rovers, he came out a few times and missed the ball. Uh, now, Carl pointed out that he says he he tells his goalkeeper to always be aggressive, to always be on the front foot, to always come out. Uh, and says that's why he's going to make mistakes because sometimes you, you're going to mistime it. But do, do you think that's what perhaps he did on, well, on Tuesday? Well, he came out and cleared one with his head in the second half. You know, and you're thinking if if you're putting your head on something, you're that far outside the area. I like that. For, I couldn't understand because, like I say, De Silva was there, still had the work to do. Why he'd gone out that that far to him? And like I say, when it came off a post. Well, let's say it was, there was clenching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we even saw another chance that, that fell to Calvin Andrew, where he had a, a header sort of unmarked from from maybe six or seven yards out, where he didn't uh, didn't hit the target. Um, but yeah, you know, we come back into the game now. We had uh, like a, a, a forced a couple of corners. Reeves had his shot that was that was deflected. Saar had a, a header that he couldn't really get any power on. Then it wasn't wasn't long after that that, that we equalised, and this was a a real poacher's goal from from Forster Kasky and doing exactly what he's been told to do by by Lee Bowyer and by Johnny Jackson, which is to get into the area. Well, he's he's got a good opportunity to become a good you know box to box midfielder, not in the type of Scott Parker was for us. But in a, in a different way, where he can almost ghost in, 
because people mm. don't actually expect it because he's doing defensive work and he's getting the ball and then like I say he turned up on Tuesday night nice finish under the keeper and you know they, they disputed it should have it shouldn't have been a free kick but you know we'd had so many <laughs> and it was a good crossing from De Silva but mm. what what the difference was they gave us time because they'd been pushing us so tight it's the first time where they actually sat back and gave De Silva time and then after that it was a fairly simple goal there's been a few cases this season where I think where teams have made it difficult for us to play against I mean one that I, I always remember when I, when I think about that is, is South End at home here where it was we're getting up to the 60-65 minute mark and we weren't having too much joy but all of a sudden there was a bit of space down the right we crossed it and McGuinness scored in that game and then we scored again a couple of minutes later I think when, when teams have shown any vulnerability against us this season we tend to you know to take advantage of it I mean, that's, that's, it's reacting to teams. I mean, the way now, because obviously their scouts are coming and watching us. They know that we like to play the ball out from the goalkeeper to one of the centre-halves, who will then play it to Cashy, who will play it sideways. So as soon as we get a goal kick, they're, they're putting three up straight away, which is forcing us to do. I'm thinking, we, we should just go long straight away. Don't bring that option in. You know, change it up a touch. So, are, you know, are we becoming slightly predictable so teams are pushing us back a bit more? And playing a high line, yeah, maybe. But then at the same time, we still found ways to win as well, which is which just does show a, a good, you know, again, good character, good persistence, perhaps. True. I mean, with you know, with Fosu when he was on fire, was almost unplayable because he, the confidence was just flowing through him. And when you look at Marshall on Tuesday night, he he wasn't doing a lot for that first half, but as soon as he got space and he could run at their fullback, their their fullback was the, was the happiest man when he went off. Their fullback had cracked a <laughs> smile like I've not seen. You're thinking, I don't have to worry about it because he's got he had the beating of him every time. And the fact that the second goal came from Marshall getting some space on his left hand, boom. Yeah, it was, so, it's funny now because it's funny you should mention Foster as well because I remember early on in the season when he wasn't getting too much joy running at players. And but at the same time, we have got the likes of you, we can mix it up: Marshall, Ricky Holmes. Anyone can come in. Just need that that one run to take it beyond the player and open a team. Well, up. even a Hearn Grant. Um, who, when he came on in the second half, when he was going out wide, he's, he had the speed and the beating, and he, and he twice got down to the corner and mm. twice put in sort of like good crosses, and we we were pulling them apart at touch point in the second half. Yeah. So I mean, what what so 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 like so we, we got to half time at one all, and then we see we are making this sub for Reeves for for Ahern Grant now. What 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 did you think at that exact moment? So before we saw how the second half played out, what did you think when Ahern Grant was coming on? What have you made of his performances so far this season? Well, it's funny because I, I used to be sort of like a, a big, big fan, but I was feeling more and more uh, frustrated for him, thinking he's not taking the chances of the opportunities he's been getting. So it was a bit of, you know, how is he going to play? He had he had a chance with a header in the second half, and it was a good header straight at the keeper. I mean, a yard either side, and he's he's wheeling away, scoring a goal. Um, I I think he's more effective as a winger. He obviously wants to play as a striker. Um, where Carl decides is going to be the best place for him, you know, away from the club on loan, maybe in January, to let him play and let him develop his game a bit more. Because, like Carl said, he needs a goal. And maybe he won't get the opportunity if he comes on for five, ten minutes to get that here. Mm. I mean, because he, he talks about his confidence a lot in the in the press conference after Carl 
Uh, Carl, Carl, he said it before. He said it in preseason. He said he really believes in him, but he knows his confidence is shot at the moment. And, and like you say, he, need, he needs to go. I mean, do, do you think that you can tell that with the way he plays? Because he seems like a confident lad off the pitch, I guess. But when when he comes onto the pitch, do you think he overthinks stuff? Perhaps I, I, I think so. I mean, it doesn't seem to have his positioning where he's, he's looking to see where he's going to run to, as opposed to just running there. I mean, the good strikers over the years and know that the goal doesn't actually move. So you know where it is. <laughs> so base your movement off that. I mean, someone like Sheringham was never the fastest, but he scored amazing goals because he knew his positioning was going to be in the right place at the right time and worked that way with with Her Grant. Again, you know, I think you, you get used to these kids who have been here for quite a few seasons, but realise they are literally that, still kids. Um, it's the same with Konza. We're discussing having Konza back as a, as a, as a centre-half. Now, whether you have him alongside Pierce or Bauer or Nabs, you know, you don't mind. You're thinking, you know what, he's, he's good enough to play there mm. at that position. Yeah. But maybe because he's alongside a centre-half, you don't notice it as much. But as a striker, if you're not scoring, it's pe- obvious, people yeah. notice. It's like, yeah. like when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, you notice that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, so, but we did, um, but you know, so I mean, I, I have to admit, I had my reservations when I saw Carlin coming on at, at, at half time, but he did he did make a difference. He, he was sort of, you know, I mean, Carl, uh, Carl said he played him slightly further up than perhaps we're used to playing uh, our number 10, and, and uh, you know, we, we, we had a bit of pace going forward, which perhaps we were lacking early on. Uh, and we started uh, started a lot stronger in that second half. We, we saw Cashy hitting the post. I mean, we're all looking forward to. I mean, we're all looking forward to the first Naby Sar goal. I think the first Cashy goal was going to be a special moment as well. I think so, but I don't think anything be further than forty five yards, <laughs> and I'll be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but then then we did see the. It was still one all. It's easy to forget. It was still one all when we saw the first of Amos's excellent saves, where the uh, Rochdale free kick was knocked down into the path of the the captain Henderson, who sort of backheeled it almost towards goal, and it was a superb reaction considering Henderson was pretty much on the edge of the six. Box. Well, that's it. It came at him so quick, and I, I like a reactive goalkeeper. I mean, I think Robbie Elliott had the same thing. He could react well at very close quarters, and that's what I like about Amos. So I just think possibly his command of corners, but I'm not going to complain because that was a fantastic save. Yeah, and then he followed it up. Yeah, well, yeah, mm. in, the, in the last couple of minutes as well, and then it was uh, on pretty much the hour mark uh, that we uh, that we went ahead, and this was where we were seeing Marshall now with a bit of space to run into, and this is where he is so, as you said, for the fullback. So it must be an absolute nightmare. I mean, Chris Solly said it uh, a while ago. Says well, if you're a fullback and you see that Mark Marshall's coming on, you're not, you you know you're in for a tough ride, and uh, he, he pelted it towards the uh, towards the edge of the box, hit a low, a, a really powerful low drive that was way too hot to handle. Uh, for Lillis in, in the goal when it came back out again to Foster Kasky who's there in the right place at the right time well we had Foster Kasky and Holmes both both there and almost Foster Kasky pushed him out of the way as, <laughs> as he span and it was a very good finish because his balance was off but you know it was it, very, it was instinctive hmm. and you can understand that you know this, Carl talks about the work he's doing with um, Bo and Jackson and you know if, if he can develop the sort of like the benefits for both those players he'll become an awesome player hmm. if you can combine you know, Jackson and Bowyer together and get a Foster Kasky. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting with, with the likes of Foster Kasky, you know, played, he's played uh, for England at, at youth levels, but you'd, you'd probably argue he's, his career has sort of fallen away recently. And you can say that for quite a few of our players now. I mean, maybe Fossey wasn't really getting his chance at, at Reading, for example. I mean, do, do you think Carl Robinson's got a, sort of a bit of a Midas touch when it comes to some sort of man management? I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's almost been the Charlton way. For as long as I can remember when... 
we had brought players in. Kirby always used to say about he wanted Charlton players. And then Chris Powell said he wanted players who had a point to prove. And, you know, if you can get those kind of players in with a right mindset, said, I don't mind dropping down the division Mm. because I know I can prove a point. You know, I'm going to work hard and show, you know, Reading, who are struggling at the moment in that league, what they're missing. I mean, I think if if they had Fozzie putting balls over for a certain Frenchman, they'd be, <laughs> fly, they'd be flying yeah. up that league. But, do you think but I'm thinking, I don't mind having him here. Yeah, do you and think we've done better out of that deal than uh, than Reading have you've ended up with Callum Harriet? Um, you very rarely see Callum's name. I liked Harriet, but yeah. you very rarely see his name on the team sheet. And so often now, I'm, I'm one of those people who goes through his Sunday papers in the league paper and look for ex-Charton players and see who's playing and who's not playing. And he, he's not really being chosen. And you've got to think to yourself... Do they look back and thinking, well, okay, I'm in a league above, but I'm not playing, I'm not being picked? You know, because surely as a footballer, you'd rather play every week. Yeah, well, so. yeah, maybe. Uh, then, for, as the game, we, we we did have a couple of extra chances. McGuinness curled that one just over, and then there was that big chance. It was excellent work from McGuinness in the corner by the corner flag to dig out across for Carlin. And, I mean, you're going to say it was an instinctive header. Maybe he didn't expect the ball to come through, but it did go straight to the keeper, and that's just where he, that's just where he needs to make that... That that you know kill it kill a touch. Well, it was it was very close. He he was very dead center, right in front of a goalkeeper. Um, if he if he tries to flick it one side or another, it could have just gone off for a throw. I mean, he's called it full on, and it could have gone between the keeper's hands. You know, the keeper's pushed it away. I, I, yeah, I, he is a confidence player. <sighs> How, will we see the best out of him? I, I don't think, you know, in all honesty, I don't think we will. I think he'll be overtaken possibly by Hackett Fairchild if he gets mm. a, if Hackett Fairchild gets a sniff and gets a goal, you know, Carlin drops down the um, totem pole a, a touch. Yeah. So, and then that way, he'll, he'll be off before we know it. And, you know, it's, it's sad to see because, like I say, looking at it though, he's 21 appearances, 35 a sub, so it's 56 games. And he's got three one, goals. Yeah, well, one one league and, goal in that as well. Yeah, the other two so came in cup competitions. Uh, we saw another great save from Amos just before the end there, the, the volley that sort of was mishit, but that made it go into the ground. And because it was mishit, he was already diving one way and had to sort of readjust and push it over. But then final whistle goes. And, you know, it's what it, like, as we said, the sort of game we probably wouldn't have won in, in, in seasons gone by. And uh, another three points to add to the total. And finally, we win a game at home on a Tuesday because we haven't been doing that. We've only, that's only the third out of the last 12. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't put that kind of stat out there. But I, <laughs> I think possibly we might curse us if that happens. Um, no, it was nice to see. And hopefully next Tuesday we can do the same thing again. Yeah, so. make it four out of 13. Right, uh, <laughs> Terry uh, came uh, came back into the studio after the game and obviously Carl Robertson uh, joined him. So this is what Carl had to say after Tuesday's win over Rochdale. It's a funny old game, and how fantastic we were on Saturday, and then we weren't as good today. We should have found ourselves two 0 down um, in the first ten minutes. But second half, we missed some very, very good chances again. We can stop. We can make these games an awful lot easier for ourselves, and you know, for me and for the fans. <laughs> we seem to start a little nervously. Is that fair? No, it's, 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 hard, about it's hard off the back of uh, a very good performance. We still we we felt wounded by the by the result that we got on Saturday. We put so much into that, um, and it's hard to, to get that just a kick in. And then and trying to go again, um, but the players sort of ground. We tactically changed it second half, um, went with a little bit higher number ten rather than a football number ten, and we just felt very strange tactics by them. I've never seen it before where 
they almost the man from man marked our wingers and regardless where they went they followed them so we just felt that if we could do and what was happening even though they were following them our full backs were condensing the space that we should be looking to play into for Josh or for, for well Carl on second half really did a tight hamstring so we used that as an opportunity to make the substitution um, and we just felt that um, and we got in for the first 10 minutes in that area that we looked to work on at half time so they took on board the information very very well the staff worked very hard to see it from above to try and relate that to us and then we had to work very hard myself, Lee and Jacko to tactically just change one or two things at half time I thought we came out we dominated the game for 25 minutes they changed the shape again and went to three at the back and that, and that sort of stumped us a little bit um, but then it was a case of an application and the, the, the desire to, to see the game out which he did and then Ben A the big man came in to make a great save once again there seemed a couple of changes made, and, and certainly the half-time change uh, made a huge difference to us in the second. I thought Colin had a great, uh, great first twenty minutes. Of yeah, then, then he got went missing again when he started to think. Uh. He's got to play. <laughs> he's, got, he's got to play on instinct, Carlon. That's that's his strength. Um, Reeves shouldn't have played today. He had a tight hamstring. Um, he's played a lot of football. We listened. He should be in certain modes. He'd have players back fit, and we just felt that he looked a little bit off it. Um, his hamstring was tight. And we don't want to make that go. We, we've got to keep. We've got a lot of players out at the moment. We're playing an awful lot of games, um, and we've got to make sure that we keep this play, this group of players fit. Also, I thought there were two things that happened uh, laterally in the first half as well. Uh, firstly, I thought their second chance that uh, that hit the post gave us a bit of a kick up the backside, and then the header, and uh, and the header, yeah. Uh, and then the referee started to uh, penalise them. Uh, whereas he, I thought he gave him a lot more uh, leniency but this, in the this, first this half ha- hour. This happened on Saturday. Um, the aggressive nature in which teams have to play against us, we've got to trust the referee to do his job. Um, and then did only five, four minutes from somewhere, and they're now funny enough when we're winning, they're using thirty seconds for every booking. It's funny when we're losing, and I ask for thirty seconds for the booking. They don't, they don't count. Um, listen, I've made a lot of good friends throughout the course of the season with the fourth official. Um, so I've got a big Christmas card list coming. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I suspect Saturday's lot on on there. Uh, the uh, you must be pleased though. I mean, the fa- despite the fact that it wasn't our uh, our fluent best, that we still ground out the win. Forced no, but he got on the end of uh, uh, you know getting into the box. Yeah, we, we, listen, we, we've we've been wonderfully good this year in certain stages of the season when when when, we, when we've been at it, and you're not always going to be at it. We all have bad days at the office, but but from, but, but when you have them bad days, you've got to find something from within that sees you over the line. And, and uh, I'm really pleased that they, they they managed to do so, and for the fans as well. The noise level in here, it's hard on a Tuesday night. Listen, historically, right across the country, Tuesday night attendances are down, especially when you've got a uh, Rochdale coming so far on a Tuesday evening. So it's almost like you're around in some ways in in the stadium, and and it's hard for the fans and the players to create that atmosphere. But the fans sung the heart out again. Um, it wasn't a typical Tuesday night. The atmosphere was electric, if that makes sense. You know what I mean by no, that? No, no, I thought the fans and, were superb. And, and, and they just they do, do so much for you. Um, I'm so thankful for that. I've always said that, and, and we do play for them. This is about them. This is not about me or anybody else. We're paid to play for them. Um, and we're paid to work here and we're paid to do our best. Um, but we love doing it at the same time. And the players need to appreciate that. And I think they do. You can see the appreciation that they have. And uh, I'm very thankful to, to the people who come to the terraces on a weekly basis. Listen, it's not always about the great stadiums and and, and, the, and the great training ground and the lovely pitches and everything else. It's about the people, that one, that wear the shirt and the people that come within the building. That's the, the most important thing in every football club is people. And the people who surround themselves at Charlton Athletic are, are very, very good people. And the supporters that come through the door are very, very good people and very passionate people. And we've got a duty of care to perform for them. 
when you came in to me on Saturday and you had, uh, I was expecting you to be a lot more angry than, than, than you were. When yeah. you came, so you've I've probably, you've probably done all your anger by the time you got to me. But I've calmed down. I sensed a, a steely determination to to put things right tonight, and, and that happened. Listen, that's, that's my mentality. I I, I, I can't accept it. I, I never do. I'm not a very good winner. I've said this to you before. I always feel that there's a burden to do something for other people. Um, and, and I put myself under a lot of pressure to do it for other people as well. And when you do that, you've got to realise that the people who come within this football club, that when you let them down or you feel that you've let them down, and it's not pers- it's not that you mean to do it, or when referees do it, you feel like you've got a duty of care to try and get it right for the forthcoming weeks. And so it's been a very, very, very big day for us, a few days for us, and I'm, uh, I'm pleased with the players. And another one coming on Saturday, of course, with Scunthorpe's victory now away to, uh, at uh, Bradford tonight makes uh, makes uh, Saturday another huge game. Well, and we're going up there with a few injuries. Yeah, it is, but listen, that's part and parcel of the Football League season. That's right, the best league in the world. That's uh, the best country in the world to play football in. Any chance of um, the likes of Billy Clark or uh, no. or anybody else being fit? No, no, no. no. Okay, so uh, we're going there with pretty much what we had tonight, depending on how Reeves gets on you. Yeah. Good luck for that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Throw from Holmes into Solly. Solly cross ball. Foster's on the far side. Get something on it. Yes! yes! Finished off by Foster Caskey. And Charlton have the lead. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Chatting Live here on Maritime Radio. That was Carl Robinson speaking to uh, Terry after Tuesday's win against uh, Rochdale in a good mood, as you'd expect, after uh, yet another three points here at the Valley. We are just talking off air, Mark, about uh, a little ditty that, that, that came out <laughs> on the, on Tuesday evening, that superb uh, Ahmed Kashi and Forster Kasky song. Uh, is it still in your head? It, it's Yeah, it's been in my head since Tuesday. <laughs> and unfortunately, my wife's now banned me from singing it at home. <laughs> so you know, that's a good thing, possibly for her. But no, it, it's it's good. I'm, I th- I think we could try hard with Nabi Sar. Yeah, he needs I th- a song. I think he, yeah, not for just for generic Nabi Nabi Sar. I think you know, it's well, I'll be working on that one, yeah. and then send it up to the um, upper north and see if I can you know start it off <laughs> yeah. there. Well, funny enough, actually, you're, and you'll read it in tomorrow. South London Press. Nabi Sar came in to to speak to us uh, after the game on Tuesday. And the first time he'd, he'd come to speak to us, I think ever, I can't remember him coming last time, probably wouldn't have been worth his while last time, uh, but he sat down and obviously he's uh, in good spirits at the moment, but the, the first thing he did was, oh, I just, uh, just want to apologise for my English, before then speaking in perfect English, like better than I can. Uh, so yeah, there, you, you'll enjoy reading that in tomorrow's uh, South London Press. Right, um, 
it, Carl was uh, giving us uh, an update during the week. I was asking him. Uh, in fact, Dan Farmer asked me during the day if I knew what the latest update on Leon Best was. And to be honest, it's been dragging on so long, I, I didn't. Uh, so I thought the best person to ask was Carl. Now, we got quite lucky here because um, in the main press conference when, when he was asked, he gave he didn't say a single thing, he just said, I can't talk about it. Uh, whereas when I asked him at first in the BBC interview, he did say a little thing. So this is what Carl had to say uh, when I asked him about Leon Best. In terms of another body, you've had Leon Best around the training ground for a while. Have you, are you coming closer to making a decision um, on him? Uh, listen, we're... We're, we're, we've just got one or two things that we've got to get sorted first I think the most important thing is first and foremost worrying about the players at the football club um, and seeing what what we have and see if we have something in the youth team to, to, to promote um, and if not then we'll start looking to, to do something elsewhere yeah. So it was quite interesting wasn't it now he, he certainly didn't give much away there either but slightly more than he did in the press conference but you know he, Whereas it, it, he's he's been training with us for over a month now, we scored uh, behind a closed doors friendly against QPR for us, um, but we, there's still nothing's been sorted. And now, when I asked Carl about it, he said, "Oh, there's still a couple of things to sort out, but you know, we might have a look at the youth team first. I mean, what, what did you think about those well, comments? Um, I wouldn't have thought his demands would have been too high. Mm. Um, and obviously, if we're saying just have a contract to the end of a season, and if you score, we'll take it from there. That might not be you give him. You know, Leon, the um, stability he would want for yeah. more than a six-month thing. But if he comes in and does a good job for us, that puts him on a good footing. You know, he can go to any club then after that and say, well, I'm not in contract. I've scored five, six goals in, you know, 15, 20 games. This is what I can, this is what I can do. It, it seems it, it's strange to me where the sticking point would be with that. Hmm. Now, so, see, for me, I saw it. I saw it a different way. I think it's very much that his demands might be slightly too high, and I think this is Carl bargaining with him. Okay, it's almost threatening that we're going to use someone from the youth team. Because I, I think, for me, I, I think we can see there's no one in the youth team who's quite ready to to make that step up yet. I mean, you know, Rico Hackett, Fairchild's appeared on the bench a few times now and and, and come off the bench in cup games. But for me, I was just wondering if that's Carl almost trying to sort of say, look, we're not desperate, mate. I mean, Leon Best must know that you know the whole football world can see that we've got Josh McGuinness up front and that's it. True, yeah. but maybe Carl's thinking, you know, in, in January when the window's open, could I get some of the players who I've got out on loan? Reagan Cook's out on loan, Josh Amara's out on loan. Hanlon you know, as well. Hanlon as well. Yeah. Now, Brandon Hanlon, I think... <laughs> hasn't had the opportunities that Carl and Herne Grant had and possibly had slightly touched more potential with him. So whether he might think I can bring one of those players back in to challenge you know, as another striker, I would like to see a more experienced striker. Mm. So, yeah, looking at it in, in, in calling his bluff, well, if we're not paying him while he's getting fit... You know, you wonder why would he stick around and he's yeah. not in contract. Someone else could come in and quite easily poach That's him and say, "No, we'll pay you the extra couple of grand you want." Well, that was that was that was my theory as well. I was, having, I was talking to someone about this the other day because I mean, apparently he kept going up and down into Carl's office the other day. I heard so you just wonder if there is some sort of negotiating going on. But if if he was affordable at the level that we want then presumably therefore be affordable to at least one other team and that's why I'm thinking no one snaps him up because everyone knows he's training with us I mean we're doing him a favour helping him get fit anyway so I, I just think it's a game of chess that's, that's going on at the moment to see if he will play games of football for us possibly but I think also over the last couple of years when we were doing certain contract negotiations 
they'll they'll know by speaking to people that we got people in and gave them longer contracts or more money <laughs> and so we so hold on a minute what what's changed you're still in yeah. the same div- division why can't i get that yeah, he's pr- probably know, disappointed those... we're not quite the easy touch that we've well, yeah been... that, that's probably gone against us but let's say he could end up going he'll probably end up at scunthorpe you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it will, it's yeah. where most of our players have tend to have gone this yeah. season. So, all our best players have ended up there, including Simon Church. Um, <laughs> uh, we had uh, some tweets in actually just before the show from F James talking about. I, f- I assume you might be leaning towards Conza here. But he says, "Why, uh, if we want progress and eventually Premier League, then why sell our future? Okay, money, but you won't get anywhere by giving in to pressure. Stop the exodus of talent we have, and we'll succeed." I mean, uh, there was some, some comments obviously about Esri Conza. Uh, at the uh, City Addicts meeting a little while ago where Carl suggested you know, he'd probably want to move on uh, and suggested a potential price. I mean, did you think it would be worth our role to try and keep him this season, a season where we're doing well? You don't really want to lose well, any strength. Well, it's, it's awkward because when, when I read that comment about what he'd said of a supporters club, I thought, well, that was a private meeting. Okay, it was a pri- public meeting, but it was private for the fans and it was reported almost straight away, you know, oh, Cons is likely to go. Mm. I mean, he's being honest. I mean, the one thing about Carl, I think he knows what the state of the club is here, and that if we have to sell one of our youngsters, but we we, we bring them through at a fair rate. Okay, Lookman went, you know, but before that, I'm trying to think of who in the last five years really have we... With Gomez as well, obviously. But Gomez, yeah. Lookman, but again, it's, it's like every couple of seasons, it's why you have this production. You're never going to keep all your players until they retire no no, no team sticks together no. you know all the time comes to go you know you do like seeing the players stay for a few more years but you know when they move on sometimes they move on with good graces I mean I don't think any Charlton fan resents Joe Gomez going to Liverpool no. and getting England caps and he's been very complimentary about our system our setup, and the training he got here so if, if we're going to sell the players it's, it's going to happen inevitably you know some players you'll like some players you won't like, you know. As long as you get a fair m- amount of money for them, you know. And you can say, look at Gomez now. Is was it a steal of a pr- price went three and a half million plus so, yeah, plus, plus add-ons yeah. if he you know, if he gets a proper England cap? You know that seems low nowadays. But you got to think we sold him when he was what nineteen. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And it's going to happen. A couple of years before the transfer market exploded as well. It's funny you should mention uh, the, how you feel the City Addicts meeting is sort of like a private meeting and stuff shouldn't come out of it. Because I've heard something else that came out of it. And I'm not too happy about this. Now, um, anyone who's on the Charlton Live forum will know that I've been unfairly branded as a Palace sympathiser because I, you know, I, I went and worked at a, a football game, you know, as, is, as is my profession sometimes. You know, I've got to put food on the table for the cat and stuff. And now ever since then, people have been calling me a Palace fan. Now, after both the manager and the club captain attended this meeting, someone said something because the next time I saw Johnny Jackson, he came up to me and accused me of being a Palace fan. So I want to know who's let that slip to the skipper. Well, last time I saw Johnny Jackson, he was kissing my wife. So it's, you know, I think, you know, if he's going to be a Palace fan, no. <laughs> right. Um, uh, just very quickly before I have another break now, um, you know, without knowing too much ourselves, but from what we're reading, there's been a potential update on the takeover from those in the know, people suggesting that there may be some sort of stall in the uh, in the deal making process, some people suggesting perhaps that a goalpost has been moved. Um, without obviously without us really knowing full details, have, have you got an opinion on what may or may not be happening here? Oh, it's difficult because he's just sold one, right, you know, yeah, and he's going he's going treatment. through all that, and you know the amount of legalities which go through these things. 
I would be surprised if anything happened with us in the next three to six months. I think he will sell us. Yeah. I think he has to sell us. But obviously, he's got the money in from selling the other club, so he's not like he's you know scraping about for a bit of cash. <laughs> um, and he's, he's he's in no hurry. He, you know, he's he's dancing to his own tune. And quite literally, after you, games, sometimes he dances. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's nothing particularly we could do which will make him go any faster. But you know, anyone who's ever dealt with um, solicitors and lawyers know. You know, if you've bought a house, how long it takes to buy a house. And this is buying a football club, which is a heck of a lot bigger and a, a lot more legalities to go with it. So, you know, it's it's nice to hear things are going on, but I think anyone who thought it was going to happen that quick, has ne- has ne- has ne- like I say, has never bought a house. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, well, I guess, uh, as we said the other day, time will tell. Right, let's have another quick break here on Charlton Live. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. chooses to use him Holmes uses him decoy crosses now in towards McGuinness headed away now he's come to Fosu in the penalty area Fosu little step over Fosu onto his left foot Tariq Fosu still what a finish Tariq Fosu great work to come inside onto his left foot couple of step overs worked a bit of space his reverse shot past Cairns and Charlotte back ahead Kitson! Oh, what a way to mark his return to the valley! Paul Kitson scores! And it's forward. Which was climbing, and it almost ran to Yule, and does in the end, and he equalises! It's skimmed back to him on the West Ham head, and Jason Yule draws Charlton level. Just the wrong side to take it on board. The trouble here for Repka. Johansson takes it away. Yule gets in the shot. And it's 2-1. And Jason Yule single-handedly has turned it around. But it's another disastrous goal for West Ham. And Repka in particular to concede. What was Repka thinking of? Already conceded 16 in their last four away games before this. But they could get one back in. Kitson has. Two for Yule. Two for Kitson, and West Ham a level. Good chance here, Johansson. And Charlton are back in front. Johansson's third of the season. Well, defending in midfield is poor for West Ham. Parker plays the lovely little ball in behind Fox. His lock comes out. Johansson's got the choice of either going around him, but he just slots it underneath him into the empty net. Skimmed off the head of Fish. Kitson looked to rescue it, and it has been, and he's done it. Kitson, on his return to the valley, has got his hat trick. Make a name for himself in his return here. And here is that moment, and he takes it. Jermaine Defoe on his return to the valley after his controversial departure here scores what could be a winner. Alan Kirbishley, one time West Ham 
player. FA Youth Cup finalist with them back in 1975. 85 league appearances for the club, but on the brink of losing to them here, unless his team can get an equaliser in the injury time that remains. Held back off. Oh, that's a magnificent goal! What a way to equalise from Johansson, his second of the night. And it's 4-4, remarkable. Once again, West Ham don't deal with him in the air. That's been their Achilles heel all night. They failed to get it away. But you've got to applaud that. That is absolutely wonderful finishing. Fantastic bit of agility from Johansson. It's back to goal. Overhead kick. Absolutely top class. So there we go. That takes us back 16 years <laughs> to the 19th of uh, November 2001. We were just—I was just looking at the date and doing the maths. I was like, "How on earth was that? Was that 16 years ago?" Uh, that was that, that was the first game I had in my season ticket seat, which was in the North West Quadrant. So we'd, we'd ordered the season tickets at the start of that season, but they were still building it. Uh, so that was the first game we got to sit in our seat, and uh, an incredible game. And no one will ever forget that overhead kick from JJ in the last minute. I used to I used to love watching JJ. He used to glide sometimes <laughs> with a ball. I mean, he looks like a strong wind could blow him over, but it was you know he he got on the end and scored some valuable goals for us. Yeah, silky finisher so he was. I remember my all-time favourite JJ. Well, I'm probably forgetting others, but I mean there was one away at Middlesbrough where I can't remember the final score. We may or may not have won three 0 It might have been a different game where he went through one on one with a keeper and just did a little dummy to send the keeper down first, and then on the next step put it down. It's a really like I say silky sort of finish and. <laughs> Uh, lovely stuff, right? Let's do. It. I'm gonna. I was gonna do a quick plug for the back to the valley dinner, but it's sold out. So uh, <laughs> me and Mark have got our tickets, yep. luckily. But um, if uh, I think there is still the chance to win the tickets, if uh, through the, the competition through Andrew Sykes and I, ITRM, uh, which was the easiest question of all time. But if you so if you head over to the Charlton website or the Charlton Athletic uh, Community Trust website, you'll find the quiz there, which was named the first goal scorer back at the valley. Uh, but that's a good chance to enter to try and get your two tickets. But it's still worth plugging the the back to the valley game. Uh, is against Portsmouth the, on the 9th of uh, of December here at the Valley and 25% of ticket sales is going to go to the Trust so it's a good way to come and see a game and also get some of your money uh, to go to charity right, uh, tomorrow uh, if you're listening live on the Thursday if you're listening on Friday today uh, the 24th of November marks exactly one year since Carl Robertson was appointed Charlton manager now he was asked about that in today's press day although he was keen to point out he's not quite made the year just yet no not really. Uh, I've not got to that year yet. True. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's a miracle here. So it's... Uh, nah, listen, I, it's not about me. I've always said this to you. I think you know me well, well enough by now. It's about the players and the people who's come to support us. And it, it's, I'm proud to still be here, obviously, as you all know. And uh, now it's, it's just a new chat, another chapter in... It, another storyline for, for maybe for you um, but from from my perspective it's it's not really something that um, crosses your mind although every now and then jovially that we we have a laugh and a joke about the time span of a manager here um, yeah I get a cake off Roland <laughs> he might get a cake off Roland there as his final I mean it worked for uh, Yaya Torre didn't it you need, you need, to, you need to dish out cakes uh, and you're a chef, actually. Maybe you could make it and sign it. Yeah, I was going to say, it was that and the, and the Back to the Valley dinner, as long as I'm not catering for it, I'm thoroughly <laughs> yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, uh, you know, as a voice that hasn't been on the, on the show too often recently, um, 
you know, a year in charge now. What, what do you make of Carl Robinson's uh, performance in his year in charge? Well, it's funny because in the summer, if you remember the last um, Charlton Live of a season and the interview you'd done with him, and he seemed so despondent. Yeah. And everyone was like, well, what's going on? You know, we, we fully expected him possibly to be gone. You know, Richie had gone, you know, and he, you didn't know which direction the club was going to go. You know, and so when he started the pre-season, picking up a few players and try, trying something different, you know, a bit more attacking, a bit more, you know, solid, solid defending... You thought to yourself, yeah, you can do something with this. I mean, I remember when his name was bandied around before, you know, in the merry-go-round of managers for us, his name was bandied around, and so many people were like, oh, no, don't want him, don't, you know, can't stand him, don't want him. I was, I was luck, I mean, you know, I was like him. I think yourself, because if you've got a passionate manager, you know, that can sometimes get through. Some people don't like Warnock, people don't like Holloway, but they're passionate managers. And when they're on your side as well. I think yeah, I think that can side. really work for you. And I think with Carl, he's, he takes some of the flack if a team are doing badly, and he, and he, but he's quite happy to hand out compliments as well. So I, I think it, he'd be a fun manager to work under. Because you can't imagine it being quite boring working for him on, on, a, on, a, on a pitch as you would yeah. under some previous managers where you think yourself just to turn up and train would just be dull. But under Carl, you should imagine he, he maybe because he's slightly younger and he, you know he's not he's still the boss, but he, he, he understands a bit more about the mentality more so than maybe a 60, 65 year old manager of a, of a modern footballer. Yeah. Do you think um, he deserves more praise for the con- the constraints that he would have to work under, in, you know, un- under Roland Duchatelier, an owner who it would appear for some managers has been difficult to work under? Well, I think so. I think most managers would like, you know, every manager wants more to their budget. So, and he's realised, you know, he's cutting his cloth accordingly now. So he he has picked up people who have gone out of contract, like we talked about Fossu. You know, he's he's been let go. I don't think we paid a fee for him. I think uh, it was minimal. Yeah, if we did, it was minimal. It was minimal. Yeah. So he's he's picked up players, and obviously he knows this league. So he knows who would be a good fit for this division. You know, the, the acid test for him would be if we do get the top six and we get the playoffs, and we did go up. You know, who's to say that we can't? I, you know, how would be in the championship? It would be a whole new level for him to try and manage at. Excellent. Well, uh, hopefully we will be. You know, I've, uh, my mates are going on holiday to Vegas in the week of the playoffs, and I was sort of like, oh. <laughs> so I sort of said, no, I can't go, <laughs> just in case. Right, um, time to look ahead. Uh, it's a huge game up at Glanford Park on uh, on Saturday against uh, uh, Simon Church FC Scunthorpe. Uh, Carl Robinson, of course, spoke to BBC Radio Kent's Tony Hudd to look ahead to that big game. Talking to Charlton manager Carl Robinson ahead of Saturday's visit to Scunthorpe. Carl, third place, fourth in Saturday's League One match of the day. Do you expect Charlton's nine-match unbeaten run to come under intense scrutiny? Um, we expect it to come under scrutiny on Tuesday, Saturday before. So every time you go into a game at this level, you know it's always going to be difficult to go to go nine unbeaten. Is at this level is always very difficult. Um, anybody will tell you that. Um, but we know how good Scunthorpe are. The managers done unbelievable there over a number of years. Um, Really got them competing at the top of the table on a consistent basis. Um, but outstanding this time last year, um, probably stronger this year than what they were last year in some ways um, because of the unity they've got. They've got five strikers, four or five strikers that are all top. 
at this level. Um, and midfield's very, very strong. Bishop in midfield's a, a tremendous one for them in, in what he does. Um, you look at their back four is very strong. So there's so many the wide players rolling inside make it difficult and create that little boxing behind your midfield too. So it, it'd be a really interesting game. Um, but we're, we're under no illusions. Listen, the run has no relevance on us. Um, it's the next game. Um, and if people want to count them behind us, well, so be it. If you don't win, you move on to the next one. If you win, you move on to the next one. If you draw, you move on to the next one. And, and, and that's it. Because sometimes when you get into a run like this, people get so fatuated by staying unbeaten. But I'd rather try and go and win the game. And if, you, if you draw, it happened to Huddersfield a few years ago when they, they were drawing loads of games. Um, but we've got to just keep trying to push and push for the win, really. And, and that's what we're going to try and do, even though we're the away team. What sort of game are you expecting? Do you think it'll be very tight? Honest. An honest game. His players are always honest. Um, the fans up there are very honest. We're honest. Be two very, very honest teams going toe to toe, and uh, two good teams as well. The games are coming thick and fast for Charlton with Tuesday's visit of Peterborough on the horizon. Are there any signs of fatigue in the squad? No, no. They look, they look quite well. The players, obviously, we've got one or two injuries through through different things. But so obviously, Reeves is in the scanner now, so it's not too bad. Um, Clarkey and Tariq, we'd love to go there with them three in the squad because they're the top players. Um, as well as having PSE and, and H out as well and Pagey. So there's a lot of, so we've got six or seven players that aren't going to be available for selection. And for three, two or three of them being long term, as, as you well know. But no, we're, we're in a good place. Like I say, the players we've been playing feeling feel fresh this morning. The, 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 well, they're always lively, um, but they're, they're extra lively this morning. Uh, and that's positive. Um, well, when you've Josh McGuinness and Ricky Holmes in the squad, it's, it's hard not to be lively. Um, but they're, they're, they're in good spirits, and we're, we travel up tomorrow, and we're, we've got a job to do on Saturday. But equally, so with Scunthorpe, and, and, and the respect that we have for them is immense. Um, again, it's an honest respect because of what they've achieved, not just because you're saying it because you like somebody, because of what they've achieved in relation to the players that they have. Um, they've got players in, in like Crofty and Lee Novak, who we know very well. Um, we know it's going to be difficult. They went with it from a heavy heart in some ways with us. We didn't want them to go, um, especially from a football perspective. We thought it was best if they stayed here. Um, but the respect that we have for them too as well. Um, and Cherchi, who's obviously been here before and somebody that, that I've worked with. So there's got players in their, in their team that we know how good they are um, and we're under no illusions. The injuries are queuing up now. Are you concerned that you're getting so many injuries at this time? Um, listen, once we, once we get off the back of the Peterborough game, the next two are in cup competitions. Um, so it sort of gives us that little bit of a leeway, really. We, these next two games are important because then we go... You're going to go a number of days then without a without a without a league game, and we've got to make sure that once we once we do that, we're in a good position to compete, and that gives us two weeks after Saturday after Tuesday. Sorry, it gives us something like twelve days to the next league game, um, which is a long time in in that. And by then, we know Billy and Reevesy, I'll be I'll be fit. We know def one hundred percent Billy, but Reevesy could be fit by Peter, but hopefully, um, and then. We know Billy are definitely back fit. We know Pearcey would have played uh, at Swansea, maybe. We know Hanley Lennon might have played some minutes by then. So we could have four players back by the next time we play a league game after Peterborough, which is which is massive for us. And by the time we play Peterborough, Tariq's then three and a half weeks into a six weeks in, into a six week injury. So you're getting closer and closer, um, and and that's important. 
Ben Reeves seems to be picking up niggling injuries. <coughs> Excuse me. Is that a result of not having a proper pre-season? Um, no, it's a point of, I know him that well. Listen, if we had a full squad, we wouldn't have played him on Tuesday. Um, but he wanted to play. His problem we have is sometimes the players put the bodies on the line that much for the football club that it puts them in high risk. Um, he didn't even want, he didn't want to come off on Tuesday. Uh, so, listen, it's, it's not an injury. It's, it's one of them one precautionary ones that you've got to be careful. And the other one we're worrying about a little bit is Marshy, obviously. Because he's going to be in that high risk zone after not having a pre-season, um, and in, in an ideal world, he wouldn't be playing. He wouldn't have played on Tuesday, um, and it would have made him one hundred percent ready for Saturday. Um, the same as Reevesy. Uh, sometimes you get away with these things. Reevesy was just a, a, one where he was in full extension, and then someone sort of lent on him. So once you're in extension, someone leans on you as well. It sort of puts your hamstring in greater stretch, greater stretch. But he's, like say, he's, he's he's fine today, and we'll. Uh, Will will assess one or two, but listen. The most important thing is the players who are fit. Um, we spend so much time worrying about the ones who aren't. The ones who are fit are being outstanding, and they're fresh. They're ready to go. They've had a break, so I don't feel sorry for them. They've had a little bit of time off, and it's proven that I think our energy levels on Tuesday. Um, we looked, even though we can see they're going to MK late on. We looked like we were finishing the game strong, and we looked like we were finishing the game strong again on Tuesday, and that was important for us. Carl Robinson, thank you very much. That's Carl Robertson talking to Tony Hard, looking ahead to Saturday's game with Scunthorpe. Now, I mean, we've we've gone away to Bradford so far this season and won. We've gone away uh, to Rotherham so far this season and won. Now, we've gone to teams that are doing well and we've won. So, we're easily going to win on Saturday, surely? No doubt. I can't (laughs) can't get my money on fast enough for that one. Well, I think if you look at Scunthorpe, if they're going to play Novak up front, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, if they played bring church on, possibly have no problem with that either. You know, Cro- Cro- Crofts, Crofts isn't. You. It probably will do now. <laughs> Crof- Crofts isn't never going to influence a game. Mm. You know, unless he drove a Land Rover onto the middle of a pitch or something. <laughs> but it, it's, I, I think they're going to be worried about us. I don't think they're going to be looking forward to it. I mean, yeah. they'll see what kind of form we're in as well. So you know, and like I say, play play badly and one fine. You know, if you play to the best of our ability, you know, I, I think you know we've both got similar records. If we take a point there, and you know, pick up three points at home to Peterborough, you know, four points from the next two games, I'd, you know, I'd be happy with that. It, you know, it just keeps us ticking over nicely. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, we're, we're unbeaten now in nine games in League One. It's gone four per unbeaten in nine games in all competitions, but includes. Uh, you know, a couple of FA Cup games, one of which was a, re- uh, a replay and uh, a EFL trophy game as well. But they have won their last uh, four games, which includes a one that win over at Northampton. Their last time out was a, a very a very good 2-1 win away at Bradford on, on, on Tuesday night. So they are a team in form. So it, 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 it sort of raises the question, how do we approach this game? Now, I think we, I think we pretty much know that we're not, we're not going to have anyone back who we'd hope for. It doesn't sound like Reeves is going to be available either. He sounds like he's going to wait for, for Tuesday for him. So we saw. Do do we go all guns blazing at them the way we the way we can play? Sometimes? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it was interesting on Tuesday night. There was a, there was about ten fifteen minute period, and Marshall McGuinness and Holmes literally ran at them relentlessly and just wouldn't let them settle. And you know, if you can do that for sort of like in bursts, you can worry any team. And I think you know, if, no, you know, if we can, you know, look solid and possibly you know go for, go for a five in midfield 
you know, don't don't play up as as, as far forward. Have, have the free attackers sort of nearer. Yeah, them. yeah. And so you know, and maybe swamp it a bit. They'll get frustrated. We're better against teams who are getting frustrated and making mistakes. Mm. And whilst you've got players in the team like Marshall and Holmes who can literally conjure a bit of magic out of nothing, as it were. Oh, no, you'll always have a you know we'll always say a fight, fighter's chance. Yeah, I mean, so. we, we saw the performance we put up at, uh, at Bradford a few weeks ago where we were quite difficult to break down. I think the, the majority of their chances were coming from set plays until the last five minutes when they re- were really pushing, and then we did have to rely on the goalkeeper. But if we can remain solid like that, and as you say, just conjure up something out of nothing at Bradford, it was a bit of quick thinking from sort of, um, from Ricky Holmes and Solly with, with the throw in, and then the cross came over. You know, if we can keep tight, then we know we have that one moment in us to go and score a goal. I mean, he's saying if he doesn't play a Hearn Grant, maybe put a Rebo in the midfield alongside Cashy and um, Foster, Foster Kasky. Yeah, you know, and make it and, and clock it up. You know, spoil spoil the game as it were. You say, well, you know, it's not good for football. No, but you know, it's good for us getting a point, getting the three points, and I think it'll give us an, another option. So I, I wouldn't mind having a, a tight three in midfield and then you're not worried so much about Holmes coming in and doing a defending job or Marshall doing a defending job because you've got three you know who are putting themselves around because you know Rebo's got a good fit- fitness to him you know and can get himself around in the box mm. so now uh, no Tom or Nathan this week so it's <laughs> left up to you to place the, uh, yep. the, the cashy back bet the uh, pressure's on now uh, you want to tell us which one you've chosen I've, I've, I've gone for I think it's a bit of a gimme I've gone for a 1-1 and I've gone for Ricky Holmes but we couldn't put it down but I think it's going to be a penalty I've got a feeling that you know we haven't had a penalty this season have we uh, I don't think off the top of my head I you know don't, what I can't think don't believe yeah. so and I, and I think because I think Ricky takes them so and I think we're going to get a pen I think Ricky's going to take it but I think they're going to get one back but I don't. As long as it's not Novak or Church, I'm okay. With it. So one-one, Ricky Holmes. I score. think I could. I could accept uh, conceding as long as it's uh, Church thirty-five yard <laughs> screamer into the top corner. Right. Uh, so you, the, our bet for that is forty to one. Two pound fifty has gone on, which means, uh, including the state, we get one hundred and two pound fifty for the upbeats if that comes through. Fingers crossed. As well, Mark in. 10 seconds you've got to let me know your personal preview is that your prediction you're going to lay down as well no I, 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 I'll take a point and I want, yeah. you know, I'm happy with that I'm, I'm not going to go and be greedy excellent so. right, that's good <laughs> that's good that's what we need uh, to hear right Mark thanks uh, for joining me on Channel Live this evening you're more than welcome you're more and welcome. Uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you again over the next few weeks uh, Br- bring more food as yeah, always no, yeah keep bringing the food that's why, that's why you're here really <laughs> uh, I've been Louis Mendes this has been Channel Live the big match preview don't forget we'll be back on Sunday evening to look back at whatever happens at Scunthorpe hopefully it's at least a point for Charlton boys we'll see you later when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.